0: Hello, and welcome to the Instructional Insider. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Pittman, Instructional Designer and Curriculum Specialist at the beautiful North Carolina School of Science and Math. It is April 14th. I cannot believe that we are halfway through April. It seemed like January just kind of drug and was like 60 days long, and then poof, February and March, and now April have just flew by. So um, I don't know about you, but it's been really busy the month. The last month, I have not been on campus a whole lot. Um, I had the privilege of attending the um, the National Teacher Science Teaching Association Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. I also have had the opportunity to attend the North Carolina Association of Gifted and Talented Conference in Winston-Salem. And then we were also on spring break. So really the past month, I've not posted an instructional insider newsletter or podcast. Um, You know, I've been really fortunate that I was able to uh, share my instructional practices with other educators from around the country And, you know, participate as a learner myself so that I can bring back new and innovative instructional practices to our um, our NCSSM faculty. Um, But let's talk about what I have seen this week. So I've got to deep dive back into some of the classes, which is always a highlight of my my work week. And um, I went into one of our American Studies two classes, and I was honestly just I'm always blown away when I go into classrooms, but really I was in there maybe 20 minutes and just the the amount of instruction that I seen from this this teaching pair was just phenomenal. They utilized so many instructional practices in such a condensed time frame. They were, you know, continuously keeping the class at a swift pace so that students were, you know, really engaged in moving along in the curriculum and and the content. They were, you know, taking deep dives into text and video resources. They were collaborating in small group discussions. They were generating timelines. You know, it was just a there was a lot of like active participation with the students because the class time had been obviously really well prepared minute by minute. And You know when we have these short 50-minute classes only four days a week it's so important that we really have minute by minute planned for those courses or you know we can waste 10 minutes looking for this or five minutes like looking for this and you know really utilizing and maximizing that class time um and keeping the students engaged i i really wanted to um, you know, just highlight that because I appreciate that, and the students appreciate that. Um, I did share on the instructional insider newsletter some strategies for student discourse. I know this time of the year things start to getting a, they start to get a little idle. Um, you know, students know your practices, and they're ready for summer vacation, and you know, you might be ready for summer vacation and you know, we're really ready to like wrap up this this school year. And sometimes implementing some new instructional practices can kind of revitalize not only your students, but also yourself. So on the Instructional Insider Newsletter, I did hyperlink 10 strategies for student discourse to, you know, add a little bit of new flavor into your current course. And one thing I do want to recommend is a lot of times, You know, I have worked with elementary, middle school, high school, and adult learners. And sometimes we, as we work with older students, we tend to forget to teach protocols and strategies. And we just assume the learners know how to implement a protocol. And I've seen this in adults. I've seen this in middle school classes, I've seen it in high school classes. We can't just assume everyone knows how to do a strategy or a protocol. If you're introducing a new strategy or protocol, it's so important that we teach it correctly so that students know how to implement it correctly, or you're going to come away with, well, they didn't do it. It didn't work well when really it was that you didn't teach the strategy. So that's just something I want to remind you as educators is always remember to teach protocols and strategies and not just assume the learners know how to do it regardless of their age and their intellectual ability. Um, another class that I loved was going into the research and biology class. And those students are really in the process of determining what their research proposals are gonna be. So they were kind of pitching some ideas to me um, we had a variety of topics, you know, some of them were talking about Alzheimer's disease and neuroscience and cancer research and photolight therapy and, you know, our, the, the potential for these students is endless and I can't wait to see what their choices are and what kind of, you know, impact they make in our world as they continue these research here at NCSSM and later on in their careers, um, in education or, you know, medical or engineering or wherever they land. Um, I also got to go in and see, uh, in the Spanish class, they were, you know, the students were immersing in conversations based on their travels over spring break and what they did. Um, I was also able to go into the math class um and they were in the pre-cal class they were discussing um trigonometry and it's funny in in my one of my interviews i did with um today we go into conversations of trigonometry we won't hear that interview this week but um you'll definitely hear conversations next week on some of the trigonometry that's used in engineering um i also visited our uh, one of our physics classes um, and they were working on their presentations um, looking at some big data sets Um, so you know lots of good things happening um, across our campus and i had the opportunity this week to interview someone that we might not necessarily consider in a stem field now We know here at the North Carolina School of Science and Math that even though we are a STEM school, we very much value the humanities, the arts. Um, We encourage the written components. We encourage, you know, reading and writing and fine arts. And so I went with a little different approach on purpose. This week I talked with a news journalist. She is a local news journalist here in Burke County. And we talked about how, you know, journalism has evolved over the years from advancements in technology. We also discuss how, you know, math and technology is really underpinned in the creation of press, but then also how that artistic component is embedded. I know one thing that I forgot to ask her right, you know, during our interview was, about artificial intelligence and chat gpt and have they seen a change or an impact in their job yet i forgot to ask that and i really wished i would so that's something maybe i can have a conversation with her later on at another time but it's definitely a question for you to ponder of how would chat gpt or ai writers affect journalism She doesn't get to answer that because I didn't ask her, but it's definitely something to consider as you're listening to our conversation. So I hope you enjoy my podcast this week with Angela Copeland. She is the educational journalist for The Paper here in Burke County. All right, today with me, I have Angela Copeland. Thank you for joining me today. Great to be here. All right, Angela, can you tell me where you work, and what your job title is. So I work
1: at The Paper, and uh, people always think that it's, I'm just, making a smaller name no it's really called just the The paper paper. (laughs) because that's what everybody always refers to the newspaper as anyway so we dove headfirst into that um and i'm the education reporter there so i'm going into schools covering people programs board meetings anything related to education
0: which is why i picked you (laughs) being a school being in education that's why i chose to to reach out to you so i appreciate you coming here all right, so tell us what your story is. How did you get, where did you go to school, what did you major in? Sure. So I
1: went to Auburn University, and I majored in journalism. Okay. And I, t- I tell folks I'm one of the few people, at least in my friend's group, that started and ended with the same major. So I started as a journalism major and ended as a, as a journalism major, though I almost went into Genetical Engineering. Oh, <laughs> a little bit different. Um, and so my my first job out out of college was as a reporter at a daily newspaper in Montgomery, Alabama. Okay. Um, so I immediately started in the field, interned also while I was in in college. Right. And I I left journalism uh, for a little while and went more into the communications. So I was in right. governmental communications for a number of years, and then had a. I don't know, uh, a before-midlife crisis. (laughs) And I had always been very interested in physical fitness. Right. And I opened up my own studio and taught Pilates and yoga. I love Pilates and <laughs> yoga. <laughs> and then now I've, I, I say like I've, I've come full circle. I grew up in, in South Carolina right. and I left South Carolina when I was 18. Okay. I've lived in um, Colorado, Texas, Alabama, and now I'm back in the Carolinas and back to reporting. So it's interesting. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm 22 again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> in a way. That's exciting. Yeah. So what brought you back to Carolinas, the job or the location?
1: No, um, really just to be closer to to family. You know, I was one of those who during COVID lost friends and family. Right. And my husband and I, at the time, I was doing uh, blog writing for a marketing agency, but working out of home. The agency was out of California. And he works for for Microsoft and uh, doing cybersecurity stuff. And we could work from anywhere. And we're like, why not be closer to family? Right. And so that's what got us here. I've got a sister in Black Mountain and
0: a brother still in South Carolina. Okay. Awesome. So when I'm thinking journalism, I'm not thinking STEM at all. So (laughs) do you have STEM? STEM in your career, science, technology, engineering, and math.
1: Well, you know, even just back in the day when I was going to college, there was, okay. um, particularly in photography. So we had to, oh. of course, take our own photos. And at the paper, we we do. Throughout my career, I've had to be able to take my own photos right. as well, right? Um, and at that time, we're talking late 80s, early A couple 90s, of years ago. Yeah, uh, you were in the dark room. Yeah. And so the science of the chemicals and how they worked to d- develop it yeah. and the use of light to make different aspects of the photo to pop or to, yeah. to, to blend into more into the background, it was really fascinating. And actually one of my favorite parts about journalism school was being in that dark
0: room. I was in your book all throughout okay. high school. So I know I, that was in the 90s. So I know exactly what you're talking about. We had our dark room and the chemicals. Is that even a part of journalism now, or has the digital age just took over?
1: Well, um, yes, it has. You know, there's, there's really not. A, I, I, that is not seen. Not at all because i 'm sure there 's one example right, but generally no you 're not in in the dark room you 're using digital cameras yes. though of course that 's just a different form of of how to use technology, yeah. and there are times where we have to to not just crop a photo, but also kind of do darkroom kind of work through software, yeah, right? Yeah. If you're a little underexposed or overexposed or if the image has um, got too much noise, you know, that graininess in it, some things that you yeah. can do. So um, we definitely still use technology to improve our work, but it's just in a different form.
0: I had not thought about how much that had changed oh gosh
1: yeah gosh so so much has has changed you know we still are on a on a printing press right right? we we make a physical paper okay plus uh, of course we're digital but the whole how it gets to that press has changed so much right um in terms of the software now we did have i'm not that old we did have computers when I first started. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I wasn't on an old no, typewriter right. writing my stories. Um, but how you get your stories to your editor, for them to edit, that has changed. How What you have to do to your stories to prepare it for layout, that has changed. Yeah. Back in the early 90s, you literally would print out on um, the special paper your headline, run it through um this like glue machine right and you would glue it down onto paper. Yeah. And you would create the page like that. Yeah. An image would be taken and that would go to
0: We did that in your yeah. book. Like oh, yeah. it was all hands on right. cutting, pasting, cropping, manual hands on paper. Right. So the technology behind just Um, I guess the news in general has totally changed. Well, and the the platforms
1: that we use, the coding that has to go into that so that the story that we write when it goes into indesign which is the the software we use for, for laying out the paper that the coding comes across that a headlines a headline and right. body copy yeah. a, a pull quote has a different quote uh, a different coding right. um info boxes again different coding so it's um it's a lot of of um software development and code work
0: and things yeah. that go into to
1: newspapers now
0: and that's i think that's a lot of a lot of work in all industry. There is so much STEM that happens behind the scenes that we don't think about it. Um, I hadn't even thought about knowing how to code to get mm-hmm. the to get the the physical paper the way mm-hmm. it is. But absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: and how and how we then mark up the the paper. Back in the day, yeah. you we would go down to what we called the boards and we would physically read these pages that we had pasted together, mm-hmm. um, make any edits that needed to be made, they would then be repasted with those corrections right. and then sent for you know to be be printed and Now we get a link in a PDF that's you know a markable yeah. PDF where we can go, "Oh, the s got left off of this word, or we we're, we're catching sometimes coding isn't perfect like yeah. sometimes a subhead won't code properly and so it looks odd and right. we have to make sure that that gets changed um, but it's all done through a markable pdf now
0: which is how in the world did they get a paper out a day back then i don't know I, you know <laughs> i mean no.
1: well when you think about when i think about back then downstairs in the layout so i was in the newsroom upstairs downstairs was uh, the middle floor it's where the layout happened mm-hmm. and then down below was the printing press. Right. In in this yeah. big basement. And there were a lot of people that made that right. happen, you know. Um, and now like like other things, you know, the industry's just changed so, yeah. so you don't have those kinds of, of jobs anymore, but you have jobs doing Different different things. They've shifted. What
0: percent, and you may not even know this, do you know what percent actually still gets a tangible paper copy with Uh, with y'all?
1: Well, we are, for us, we are what we call um, print first. Okay. We wanted to particularly be old school. Okay. We felt that the... The Burke County community, and we only have Burke County news. Right. So if it doesn't happen in Burke County, it's not in our in our newspaper. I like yeah, it's you know, local, only local. And we ha- just heard from folks that they wanted something physical that yeah. they could could read. And the we do have a digital only right. subscription, but a very small percentage. I would say at least ninety percent are physical copies yeah Yeah.
0: like I I love when I read I prefer paper like a book in my hands same thing with the newspaper there's just something to it yeah um so that's interesting yeah there's that that tactile connection yeah that,
1: and, and I read it, I got a Kindle too, I, yeah, you know, too. but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I still, most of the time, will end up grabbing a physical book or yes. a physical magazine or whatever and, and, and read. There's just
0: something about it that I like. Wow. So we've talked about the, uh, the older version of science with, um, you know, in the dark room, back when we had to do photos that way, um, we've talked about how... In the back half of the newspaper, we've got coding and all kinds of analytics that are happening. I wasn't even thinking about that. So I always love when those things pop up. Um, What about math? Like, there has to be a lot of math on the business
1: well, end. Well, a- absolutely there is. Um, and also just like statistical stuff. Mm. Like, So we're tracking where our subscriptions are okay, and analyzing that information, yeah. right? Like where physically in the county are we delivering papers, right? Gotcha. Where, um, what stories online are getting the most traction? So there's that kind of analysis that, yeah. that happens. Um, and then getting that data and then deciding, okay, now, how do we tweak our business plan yeah. according to what we're, we're, we're seeing, these trends? Right.
0: Our yeah. students here on our campus do something. All of our students on the Morganson campus are required to take data science, mm-hmm. which is really, it's looking at big data, mm-hmm. but really making better decisions based on what is the data telling us, which is exactly what y'all are doing. Do right. y'all have someone that that's their, their job is... Or is that a developing area? Because the paper's new. Yes, exactly. That's a
1: developing area. It's something that we all look at and have some input in right now. I could absolutely see the day where, as we grow, you know, we had our first issue came out on February 4th. Yes. So um, we are um, just a little baby paper. Like us. (laughs) We're growing up together. We're we're in our toddler stage now. But... um, Yeah, so I definitely see that as something um, that's going to grow. And and we've even expressed uh, interest in in creating maybe um, two-our-own podcasts, which then, of course, will go into a different area as well. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how we we grow and, and change. But data is a really big driver in in our decisions. And now that we've been around at least a few months now that we have some data to go off of, Um, as a matter of fact, we're going to be meeting here um, later this week as a team to kind of go over our stats at this point, and what changes we might need to make or not. My yeah.
0: brain's seeing project-based learning are here. You? I'm seeing learning opportunities for our students. Yeah, like for sure. If that's a big thing, and knowing our students are heavy in data, like I'm seeing a great partnership here with some math classes. Oh, yeah,
1: I was definitely. <laughs> I love it, I love brilliant. it.
0: Excellent. All right, so is there any science outside of what we just talked about that you can think about that's in journalism
1: uh, la, 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 la. Well, you know it. It depends on the kind of journalism you're talking about, okay. right? You're writing for Wired magazine. Mm. Um, you know, for example, you're the business editor. Right. um d- Depending on what kind of area of journalism you go to, go yeah. into, you might need a very strong background in it's different um, science and math fields, and a lot of them do have that. Yeah. You know, um, like even we were talking. About my my husband who works for for Microsoft, he also writes technical books. Yeah, right. You know, so it kind of depends on the, the kind of writing you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but it it might be an absolute requirement in yeah. some situations. Yeah. Yes.
0: Do y'all have a an. Um I don't know if it'd be an area or a section or a department that focuses on environmental science yet, or? No, okay. we don't. So, yeah, you know, we're
1: a really small team yeah. um, and we wear multiple hats. I'm the education reporter, but I was also at the Glen Alpine Town Council meeting right. <laughs> last night. Right. Um, but that is something, we, one of the things that we're gonna be talking about in our meeting this week actually are okay, now that we've got this going, where are our holes? Yeah. What areas are we not covering that we need to cover? Which the data can tell yeah, you. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, I know I've, I look on there quite a bit myself and, and just talking with our local people, knowing our local area, um, the environment, like the Catawba River, Lake James, you know, the Pisgah Forest, they're huge yes. in this area. Yes. So um, I know. As far as our school we also are really trying to kind of focus in on that piece too and we've had you know partnerships
1: too with other organizations like foothills conservancy yeah. that's um, written some um, articles for us and and, and photos uh, about what they're doing even we have a student writer at one yeah. of our high schools who is writing about cleaning up on the, uh, the catawba
0: river and lake james area So yeah it's great yeah. i know we have a lot even though we're a School of Science and Math, we have a lot of students really getting into the writing component and the journalism and, you know, maybe it is, um, you know, somebody that focuses in, in majors in STEM but then has a minor in journalism. Right. So, um, We literally have a man standing outside of our third-story window on a crane. Are we going to scare him? Boom! No, I don't want to scare him. He might fall. We don't want to do that. All right. So my last question I love to end with is, um, even though journalism wasn't one of those areas that I'm like, oh, that's a STEM field, but it's obviously driven by STEM. I think our whole world is now. Um, What other skills? If you were wanting to go into journalism or a student's interested in going to journalism, What are skills that help you be successful in your career? Uh, Well, number one, I would have to say, is listening. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, Um, I think we sometimes get caught up in talking. Um, But when you're uh, in journalism, you really have to listen to what the other person is saying. And and so being quiet and, and, and taking in. Uh, That's probably the number one skill, is to be able to listen, Um, to be naturally curious, right? Right. So the conversation, their answer might lead to another question, which leads to another question, always staying curious. And that's something that you can just, you know, you can build that in lots of little ways um, throughout your day, building that sense of curiosity. And that'll help you when you're sitting down and interviewing somebody. and then being able to then take what that person says, and being true to what they say, when you basically repeat it in whatever article you're writing, yeah. you know. Um, so a strong sense of honesty mm-hmm. is is important as well. Yeah, those are good. Yeah. Those are good. And I and I always think of reporting. Um, as both an art and a science, mm. like most of the world is, right, you know, there's, how you ask a question is just as important as the question, right, right. your tone and how, even right. if it's the same words, how you ask the question yeah. can elicit different responses. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, it sets the tone and the Absolutely. mood and, and the vibe um, when you're working with someone. Mm-hmm. So. Even though we've got a man standing outside of us, and we've got a beeping noise, which everyone's probably going to hear, I really appreciate you awesome. coming in and speaking with me and looking at our beautiful campus,
1: and it's yeah. been good to, to talk with you. It's been, it's been great to, to be on the other side of the question. Yes, I told,
0: I told Angela, I said, I've got her on the opposite side today. You were the one being asked the question, so thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks.